All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time you've given us to really, for Coach Mel and myself to pour into these young men, the future leaders of families, the future leaders of businesses, the future leaders that will be commissioned by you to impact their worlds for the glory of God. So, Father, Coach Mel and myself do not count this lightly. It's an honor to serve you. With that being said, we come against any type of demonic spirit, anything that may try to come against us. We counsel every plot and scheme against our family, every plot and scheme against these young people. We will execute this message, this time of discussion, interference-free. Father, we turn our attention back to you. We thank you so much for that authority, and we appreciate you, Father. And Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Today, just real quickly, um, probably won't labor too long before you all. We just kind of got this assignment uh, last or yesterday, so this is kind of just fresh on the top of the dome, but... All the gentlemen in here, we're going to be passing a rock around and we're going to make sure that you guys understand this topic here. We're going to be talking about, or I have just five points, five signs your relationship with God is inauthentic. Five signs that your relationship with God is either inauthentic or non-existent. Before I get into that, I have a couple of scriptures that I'm going to read. Very key scriptures, two of which changed my life forever. The first scripture is Matthew 7, 22 to 24. It says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess to them, Jesus speaking, depart from me, I never knew you. Imagine you walking the last few steps of your life and you pass away. Death is not the greatest threat of mankind. Death is just a transition. The worst thing that people are going to ever experience in life is meeting their maker. How many of you all right now, if you really were to thoroughly examine your walk with God, thoroughly examine your relationship with God, is it authentic? Now, for instance, we know that a real $1 bill will always be worth more than a fake hundred. Is that right? So when you look at your life, an authentic relationship means this thing is authentic. This thing has stamped. This thing is real. And what I don't want to happen is that today, if it's your last, that when you stand before your maker, you're going to realize he never knew you. That scripture right there was one of my first sermons I ever preached because it rocked me for weeks because I was like, man, do I know him? And does he know me? And when you begin to think about your relationship with God, that is the most fundamental foundational relationship you will ever have. Unfortunately, a lot of people, man, they make relationships out of everything else and everyone else. But with him, the second scripture that I want to read before I get into those four signs, I'm a pastor rock. It's 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 6. It says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, inappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. These people will be brutal. Not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying his power. The Bible says avoid such people. Now, which one of those things that I described you see in the world today? Love of money. Expound that for me. Good. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Um, disrespect for the parents. Expound that for me, fam. Like, um, I see, like, if your parent bought you something and it's something that he didn't expect, but she gave it to you, you'd be like, well, man, why is she doing that? Like, that. Not grateful. Good. Anybody else? What is something that you heard that you're like, man, I see this in, in my culture, in this world today? What this scripture is letting you know is we are in those days. The selfie culture. Camera facing us. It's all about us. 
And when you begin to look at your life in light of scripture, then you will begin to really examine, am I really walking with him? Now, I know this front part is going to be rough to get through. So I'm just getting through some foundational stuff. Then we're going to really get into some discussion. But I have to make sure I give the word his due diligence to make sure I give you the word so that I know for a fact that you heard. Whether it's my last day preaching or this your last day living, you will have known that you've heard the reality check of have I checked in with God to make sure me and him are good. This ain't gonna be the last one, but I'm just that's the severity of preaching that I want to make sure I preach as if it's my last. But when you think about this, you got to say, am I a lover of myself? Am I a lover of money? Am I disobedient to my parents? Like, am I immersed in this world? The Bible says, not necessarily say this, but it talks about being in the world and being of it. What is the difference between in and of? Some of y'all heard me say this. I just want to hear from, from anyone else that want to uh, uh, chime in on that. What's the difference between being in something and of something? Yes, sir. Good. Can someone tell me what it means to be in the world, but not of it? Yes, sir. In, like, you're just there. Like, you, I mean, mainly because that's what you have to be or whatever. That's good. But, uh, but you don't have to do what everybody else does. Give me the second half to that, because that's the first half. That's good. What's the second half? So if I'm in something, I'm in to do what? Like, as a Christian? Just yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, change it? Change it. How can we make a difference in the world if we're not different from the world? We are change agents. We are light and salt. Now, when the Bible says we're light and salt, what makes light so significant? Why, why do you see, why did the scripture give us the parallel of us being light? What, do, what does light do? Yes, sir. It changes darkness. So, I mean, like, kind of like when Good, good. Anybody else about light? Yes, sir. What else about light? Does light say it's light? Light does what? Now, one thing about us being light in this world is that myself, Coach Mel, all the other gentlemen in this room, our goal is to shine the light of what a husband is. We're supposed to shine that light of what a man's supposed to be so that you can see what you need to do when you reach that pinnacle of your life. I'm pretty sure Coach Mel, everyone who has a child, our goal is to shine the light of what a father is. Now, just like I said, a light doesn't say that it's light. These lights are not saying, oh, look at me, I'm shining. It just gives the light. Now, what about salt? What makes salt so precious? What makes salt so uh, uh, something that the Bible would use to compare to us? Yes, sir. It don't lose its taste. What else? What do we use salt for? Say it again. To season. What else? Enhances the flavor. What else? It preserves. Now, imagine a world where there's no light and salt. Imagine a world just living life, day-to-day life with no light and no salt. Now, The real question I have for you is this. When you become a husband, when you become a father, well, what kind of light and what kind of salt will you be? That's the big difference between being in and of. If you of this world, you will never rise above what you of. Now, a fish lives in what? We live on what? Land. Now, if I go in the ocean, I self-identify as a fish, what will happen to me? If I just go with no scuba gear and I stand at the ocean and say, you know what, today, guys, I self-identify as a fish. Now I'm going to go in this water. I'm going to die. I saw somebody. It was funny, coach. Somebody self-identified as a deer and got shot and then got mad while he got shot. You self-identify as a deer. And then when you experience the full deer experience, (laughs) now, now you're upset with being a deer, right? But that's what happens when we self-identify with something that we're not of. We're of the kingdom of God. We're light and salt. So imagine you being in this world, being of it, 
And then when you're in heaven, you can't be of heaven. I don't want that to happen to you all that when you die, you don't went through all this Christian schooling. And don't get me wrong. Some of this Christian schooling is religious. It's not spirit led. It's religious led. A lot of you stuff are being fed the wrong stuff. And so I apologize on behalf. But since this is my time to present, I'm going to make sure I give you that gospel truth, that reality check that I promise you I can bet my last dollar that not everyone in this room is going to heaven. I can bet my last dollar. That's the reality. The inauthenticity of people's relationship with God. That's why this scripture grips me. The Bible says many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name? Have I not cast out devils in your name? Have I not done wondrous works in your name? And he's still going to say, I never knew you. Fam, I've prophesied. I've cast out devils. I've done some of these things. And that is in my category. But my friends, if that judgment is so deep and prevalent for the people that's actually done it at that level, what does it say about you? We know about God, but we don't know him. Every married man, this woman knows that we have to know our wives. We have to get to like, fam, my wife done transformed five different times since we had a child. My, my, my dating riz ain't going to rise her up this time. I got to elevate who I am because I got to get to know her in what? Real time. And I don't want you guys to think that you're saved and you ain't really investigated and you don't even have enough evidence to prove that you are. If I was to ask you to give me five evidences that you are saved, could you give, don't give it to me now, but could you give me five concrete, biblical, transformative, life-changing evidence that proves that you are sealed by the precious spirit of God and that you're saved and you're eternally secured? If you knew that today was your last day, what would you try to get in order? But the crazy thing is, 99.9% of us in this room will never know, will not know that last minute. Some of us are going to walk in our last hour and don't even know it's our last. That's why I love the moment. I love the present. Why? Because the present is a present. We can't think about tomorrow no more. We can't think about uh, uh, yesterday. We got to say, am I present in his presence? So how is your relationship with God? How is it? Because when it's all said and done, when you're dead, there's no more grace and mercy. <laughs> grace and mercy going to stop following you. <laughs> when, when you cross over from death to life, grace and mercy said, we've done our job. Here's another one. And now there's judgment. The Bible says appointed for every man to die. And after that, the judge, which one's the scariest? Death or judgment? judgment. Death is only six minutes long if you're drowning. You know what I'm saying? I said, man, when, if I ever get kidnapped and they talking about they want to kill me for Christ's sake, I'm going to find the weakest soldier and say, shoot me, because I don't got time to be in no gas chamber, fam. I don't got time to die slow. I'm going to talk about your mama. I'm going to shoot me in the face quickly. Get me out of here. That's just, anyway. But when you think about your walk with God, you got to begin to say, hey, man, listen, like, for instance, and I can say this because I, I wrestled with this for at least a decade of my life. That if someone was to come in this room right now with an AK-47 and says, deny Jesus right now. And if you don't, I'm killing you. I have to die. One or two things going to happen. Either the gun is going to jam. or I'm going to be jamming in heaven. But you got to have a level of relationship with God that's so close. Coach Mel, someone comes in your house. Coming after your wife. What you going to do? 12 gauge. 12 gauge. You're going to be between her and the shooter. Am I right? Absolutely. Because what? I got to protect my wife. I got to protect my house. You love her that much. Love. The byproduct of love is protection. So that means, hey, if I love God, man, I'm going to step, I'm going to step up for him. I'm going to stand on business for him. I'm going to, I'm going to be about his business. Like, 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 yo, you talking about my God? Oh, oh, you're going to take my life because of my God? He been too good. So get me closer to him as quickly as possible. So when you begin to think about this in its rawest sense in regards to your relationship with God, then you have to start asking yourself certain questions. You got to begin to start investigating if you are even of the faith. The last scripture that, that rocked my world when I was 
and shaped my whole perspective on my worldview is Proverbs 9.10. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Yes, two certain texts say, yeah. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now, when Pastor Gu was alive, Coach Mel and I can attest that when that man walked in the room, we tightened up. The crazy thing is, throughout our lives from childhood until now, if he was in the room, we'll tighten up. But it's crazy how we didn't tighten up when God is in the room. We have so much respect for a man or for people. That for all my athletes right now, if Michael Jordan was to come in this room or LeBron James or Steph Curry, you will listen. <laughs> you will listen because of their credibility. Or if you knew someone that you revered and respected, when that person comes in a room, your whole behavior, your whole attitude, your whole demeanor changes. But is that person omnipresent like God? It's crazy how we'll hide our sins from the men and women that we revere, but sin open before a God who sees everything. And we say that we have a relationship. We really say that we're with him. So when it comes down to relationship, like, for instance, there is no other woman that can get access to the favor my wife has for me as a husband. If she does get that, then I have dishonored the union called marriage. So when God says, hey, when it's time for you to be judged and you want the benefits of a relationship, you want the benefits of a God, he's going to be like, I never knew you. Listen, it's cool for someone to come to your house and give you favor. There's a difference when you come to their house asking for favor. <laughs> so while you're on this earth, God's like, man, I'm going to see my grace. I'm going to see my mercy. I'm going to see my love. I'm going to send it to you. But when it's time for glory in heaven, he's going to be like, man, listen, I... I gave you chance after chance after chance. Now, there's three types of relationships, and I'm going to get to my signs, and I'm done. There's three types of relationships, and I want you to examine which one do you fall into. Three types of relationships that people have with God. Number one, no relationship. Individuals in this category do not acknowledge or have any connection with God. They may be atheists, agnostics, or simply indifferent to to matters of spirituality. The impact, a lack of guidance and spiritual connection potentially leading to a sense of purposelessness. Now, some people in this room probably have no relationship with God. They, they just, they, you were, I went to Oral Roberts University. A lot of kids said my parents sent me there. They had no plans for God, no connection. Here's the one that I think a lot of people may, may identify with, and that's a superficial relationship with God. People in this category may engage in religious practices or rituals without a deep personal connection with God. Their relationship might be driven by tradition, cultural influences, or external expectations. So if your relationship with God is the same that it was five years ago, my friend, that's not a good look. (laughs) Superficial means it's not authentic, it's not real, it's not invested in. Now, Now, what are some things you do? We're going to get personal. You got a girlfriend, someone that you're relationship with. What, what type of investments does a young man put into their relationship? What type of day-to-day investments? Some people put investments to get the benefits later on. But we're talking about a good, wholesome relationship. What kind of, what, what kind of investments do you make into that person or that relationship? Yes, sir. Uh, talk every day. Talk every day. And why is talking every day so important? Uh, so, you mm-hmm. so talk every day. What else? Y'all had girlfriends. What else, what else y'all do? That's good. good. Yeah. Yes, sir. Attention. attention. And why is attention important? <laughs> that, that's just that's what comes with it. Yes, sir. Who? Someone else had a hand up? Yeah. Huh? Time. time. Why you say time? That's good. Anybody else? We can keep going. No matter. Huh? So money. Is that it? Anybody else? I'm, I'm open. Yes, sir. Affection. Yep. I hear new terms every day, so I just make sure you define a fatty because I don't want to sound crazy if I say what he said. All right, so, so wife, I'm going home with my wife. A fatty. Anyway, anyway. So now we see. That all relationships require an investment. All of us are married men, right? 
Not y'all, I'm talking about the men. All of us are married men, right? We all know this. <laughs> Man. Bro, I'd be so tired, coach, when I get home. Dealing with y'all. Four, averaging three to four coaching sessions a day. I get home. Put my book bag down. Oh, I love coming home, though, because I love the sound of family. So there's a joy in my heart when I come home because I hear the baby crying, I hear the feet stomping. But I know when I go up those stairs, <laughs> I have to be recharged. You know them fast iPhone charge? I got I to gotta, I gotta be ready. Bro, I be sitting in my chair and I just lean back and there she go. I've been going. <laughs> not, not no, is this a good time or do you need to go? Going. She's been with a baby all day. So we, I got to talk. We got to talk. Because if we don't talk, she might walk. Talk to somebody else. Let me say, if you don't pay the bill, bill will. <laughs> you got to pay the bill. Or somebody named Bill. Well, now, uh, attention. Does God have your undivided attention? Because all the married men in this room know, don't even go on your phone when they're talking. <laughs> you have to be laser focused. <laughs> your brain has to process in real time what they're saying. Anticipate where this conversation is going. Should I be defensive or should I be on the offense? Like, like, where is this going? Am I in trouble? Like, attention. Because if I break the attention, how is she going to feel? For those who have girls. If, you, if, if she noticed, what, what type of response do they give when you don't give the attention when they're talking? Oh, so you're not listening? Oh, so you're not listening? <laughs> right. Yes, sir. Hi, bro. I'm going to hang up. Yep, yep. So, Toxic. Yeah, that's not God. But what I'm saying. <laughs> but God is saying... If you only knew the return you will get when you pay attention to me. Attention is currency. Why do you think you could talk about, I think uh, Keith was in our, in our room uh, with Coach Mel talking, and he, you mentioned some restaurant, and Keith's, and Keith's uh, iPad popped up the same, the same exact restaurant. They know Siri and all of them are listening, saying, Okay, because if I hear what they're saying, I could promote something to them. So God is saying, man, if you pay attention to me, you would be able to reap more. Now, let's keep going because I want to labor too long because I want to get give the fellas some other time as well. So superficial <clears throat> is a relationship where you don't make investments but expecting withdrawals. You give, you don't give anything to God but expect God to give you everything. He says, anyone who desires to come after me, let them first deny what? Take up their what? Follow me. Have you done the two? God doesn't want followers. He wants people that can follow through. Anybody can follow God. Because what happens? You can always push that unfollow button. <laughs> oh, I follow you. Unfollow. But when it comes down to an authentic relationship with God, you're like, man, I don't care what I got to go through. Because of what you saved me from. I don't think we really, <clears throat> I think it's because, Josh, we live in a world where we can't go visit hell. Like, you know, you can't be like, ooh, ooh, okay, all right, I'm going to get my life right. Or we don't really see our sins as is. Because sin advertises as something beneficial, but it's actually to your detriment. If you really knew how bad sin was, like sin is cancerous. Sin is selfish. Sin says, I'm after your lineage. How many of y'all right now are practicing the sin, same sins? Your dad practiced, your grandfather practiced, passed down. Sin. Like, like sin doesn't just want you. Sin wants your family. Sin wants your money. And so when you realize, yo, I can't win with sin, then I got to end the sin. And so when you think about that, you say, okay, I, see, nothing can separate us from God's love. That Nothing can separate us, but we can separate ourselves from him. What does that mean? What's one person that you can't afford to be separated from? What's that one person? Anybody can share. One person. For me, I, I, can't, I would do whatever it takes to not be separated from my family. I love family. I'm a strong proponent of family. What is someone or something that you like, don't separate me from this? It could be something. It don't have to be a person. It could be a, a, a whatever. What is something? Yes, sir. I'm my mom. And why? Because she always here for me, and she always listen to me and help me, and she showed me love in every way. 
for everything she's done for me, yeah. raising me. And how would that feel if you found yourself separated? Words can't even explain. Yeah, probably I would feel like I don't have someone that I don't have a person that will always be next to me. Yeah. Yes, sir. Dad. And why you say that? Because like me and him like always we've been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and stuff. And like, he's just always been there for me. Yeah. And whenever I needed anything, he got it. Or like he's there. He's just always there. And if I like, and if he's not there, I just like feel by myself because I, I feel like he's the only one that could really understand me. Yeah, good, good. Anybody else? Imagine if you tapped in with God that way because your mom's amazing. Your father's amazing. But not even close. Light years away from God. Because one thing about our parents there's a higher probability they're going to leave before we do. And we got to be tapped in with somebody who will never leave us. So you and I can't afford to have a superficial relationship because we're one situation away from the one person that we don't want to be separated from to be separated from. And what happens with grief when you have no God? No closeness. So you can't afford not to invest in your relationship with God because if you don't invest in that, man, I'm talking about investing in the good times. Every married man this woman in this room knows that, man, those good times don't last always. <laughs> you got to say, OK, we got to get close in the good times so that we can stay close in the bad times. I know I'm talking ahead of y'all's life, but I'm trying to give you all a visual of why it's important for you to have the relationship. Now, last one did I get to my signs real quickly. I ain't even going to labor too long on that. Because we still got about 40 minutes. Last one is an authentic relationship. I mean certified, authentic. This thing is the real deal. Individuals in an authentic relationship with God have a personal, not a copy of somebody else, their own deep, transformative connection. They seek to know God. Ooh, man, I believe when my wife came to my Bible study coach. I was, I, I was probably, fellas, I think I was about five minutes into my introduction. For those who preach, you know what introduction is. I done gave you 20 minutes worth of one already, right? About five minutes in the introduction, coach. Room, about 40 people. This five foot nine. <laughs> linen dress. Tank top, two ponytails down. I said, oh, you, you got two ponytails? <laughs> okay. That, that, that communicates something to me. You know what I'm saying? That, that you, you a real one. Talk to. She comes into my Bible study, Josh. I stuttered so bad that I blamed it on the devil. I saw the devil's here. I got to, I got to, okay, let's, you know how the devil tried to attack my sermons. So when the sermon was over, fellas, I went seeking. <laughs> you know what I did, Coach? It's, it's funny now, but I was serious then. Mr. Kirkhoff, man, I, 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 I had a book at the time. And I said, uh, when I saw her out there in the refreshment area, because we had little refreshments at my Bible study. We was one new. I said, oh, I typically, when first-time visitors, give a free copy of my book. I never did it before that, Coach. That was just something I, off the cuff. I said, you know, can I? Oh, this is the second time she came to my Bible. I said, okay, okay. First time, I didn't get a chance to talk to her. Second time, I said, oh, home court, home court. Oh, you came to the game a second time? Oh, man, you know what happens when she comes to you a second time. You already know half the job is done. So what happened was, I said, oh, you came again. Oh, I said, first time, I didn't give you a book. Because I want to show her, listen, I'm off the baby. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The revenue stream right here, baby, what's up? <laughs> so... And I gave her the book. She was like, oh, that's so sweet. And I said, is it okay if I get your number? Listen, if, I'm, if the goal is present, take the shot. Because I may not come to this court again. I took the shot. She pulls her phone out, Josh. She put it back in her pocket and said, not right now. Hey. I said, this girl is not a rookie. She's not a rookie. She's she been in the league for 10 years. She's a veteran. <laughs> How you going to bring the phone out? 
How are you going to bring the phone out? And I'm like, oh, man. And then you put the phone back in your pocket. Coach, no, she put the phone back in her pocket, said not right now, and walked out the building. She walked out the building. I looked out the door and saw her walk to her car. I walked in confused. Perplexed even. I said, so, so, and I was talking to people, people that I was close to, my sisters was there. I said, so what does it mean when a girl pulls a phone out, but don't put the, but do I still, should I, should I go seeking? <laughs> About a week later, she sends me a, a, a message on Facebook saying that we having a cookout and you're invited. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll be back in the game. We're back in the game. We're back in the game. Now, what am I trying to say? When you love something and you love someone, you go seeking. That's why you guys don't stay with girls long because they sought you. Mm. Oh, man, they calling me home. There we go. They sought you. The one thing that I respect about my wife was that she came all the way to my Bible study, but she still made me draw. It reminds me of the scripture that says, if you draw after me, hold on, what it says? If you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. God came all the way for your salvation, but he's coming halfway to see if you want to be sanctified. What I mean by he says, you know what? I want to see if you truly want me. Why do you think some prayer requests are delayed? Why do you think God don't come when you want him? Because God want to see, will you draw after me? Will, like, will you pursue me? Like, man, Jesus was like, man, you got two prerequisites. You got to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. Authentic relationship. God says, yo, I'm seeking you to get to know you better. I'm still. All the, all the married men in this room know that the pursuit of your woman never ends. You can't get comfortable. And your relationship with God, you can't get comfortable. You got to keep pursuing him. Do you know you can live a whole millennium and won't be able to scratch the surface of getting to know him? That if we live a thousand years times ten, we won't know but this much of God. So how much have you sought him for? Because when you have an authentic relationship with God, man, you're going to be like, man, God, no, man, no. Listen, I've preached a long time, uh, 16 years to be exact. And I know when there are sermons when he ain't with me and it's scary. I've sinned the night before I had to preach before. Caught up in my own idolatry, caught up in my own pride and still had the audacity to preach. And I'm grasping for his presence and it's not there. That's scary. So every time I do this, man, I do it seriously because because it's 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 him. Imagine if you lived your life grinding for his glory at that capacity. Here are five signs real quick, and I'm going to pass the rock. Five signs. Your relationship with God is inauthentic. Number one, superficial faith. Superficial commitment to religious practice without genuine personal conviction. It means that you just have, I'm not convicted. Bro, fam, man, if you sin and you don't feel kind of cringe on the inside, my friend, that's scary. Bro, if I make a little mistake towards my wife, I feel that because we're one. So if you sitting out here and you masturbating, you doing pornography, you sleeping with these women, you smoking and you drinking and you have nothing inside of you that says what's going on, then my friend, you don't got God in your life. And that's real. When I say, man, I'm on my knees right afterwards. I'm like, God, I'm sorry. Every night I'm reflecting how to be a better husband. I'm reflecting how to be a better father because I don't want to sin. Because sin separates. If you have a superficial faith, that means I can. If you clapped cheeks just last week and you have nothing in your soul, in your spirit that says, son, no, pulling you and you just doing it willy nilly. Superficial faith. Lack of deep understanding and engagement with spiritual matters. Like, you have to just think seriously. I, inconsistency. Inconsistent behavior, beliefs, or moral principles that don't line or assign with your professed faith. 
Faith is only present during convenient or challenging times. If all you pray, if the only time you pray is when it's convenient, now don't get me wrong, this is signs of inauthentic. It means you probably have a babe like relationship with God or probably don't. So I'm not sitting there saying that this necessarily implies that you're on your way to hell, but it could be an indicator that you, uh, uh, that you might be on your way. You're inconsistent. That just means it's not, it's not serious to you. Faith is only present during convenient or challenging times. Meaning it's only convenient when I talk to God or all of us. We're like this. Oh, man. When it's tough times, oh, that's when we talk to God. God, heavenly Father, scratching the carpet. God, I need you to come through. And God's like, but I already came through. I came through yesterday. I came through the last hour. And now you want to talk when it's like this. Gee, gaps in your integrity, discrepancies between public expression of faith and private acts. So when you're at church or when you're around your Christian friends or you're around people or, or, or ministers or whatever or whoever, you act godly, but you don't have true godliness in your life. So in the private, you're different than you are in public. So gaps in your integrity. It all says hypocrisy and a lack of authenticity in living out your, your, uh, uh, the Bible. And neglect of spiritual growth. Apathy towards personal spiritual growth and a lack of desire for a deeper connection with God is a sign that you have an inauthentic faith. Resistance to learning and involving in your faith. Last but not least, S, self-centered spirituality. A focus on personal gain, prosperity or well-being rather than seeking God's will. Meaning that you're just using God to get to the money. You're just using God to get to what you want in life, but don't want to have him in your life. A lack of humility and a tendency to use spirituality for personal advantage. A lot of preachers fall in this. And I wrote this here. It's important to note that these signs may not necessarily indicate a universally inauthentic relationship with God. As individuals may go through seasons of struggle or doubt. We've all been there. So I'm not saying this. It's crucial to approach these signs with understanding and compassion. So if you know for a fact, hey, man, my relationship with God is inauthentic. It ain't legitimate. That if he was to call me home today. Heaven would not be my eternal home. And you don't even have to respond to this message. I'm not, this, this ain't one of them preachers' pools. Like, you know, I, I just want you to silently take this. I don't even want you to raise your hand. I want you to reflect. Now I'm going to pass the rock. Go ahead, Coach. Anybody want to <clears throat> add, add to it? Um, so you unloaded a whole lot of stuff that I hope they really understand. Um, I'm going to just piggyback just a little bit. Um, what is it that's keeping you from having a relationship with God, mm-hmm. right? Um, a pastor once told me, um, be mindful of anything and everything that takes you away from God. You guys live in a generation where social media technology is so advanced that it's so easy to be on this device and be scrolling for two hours. Mm-hmm. And you think it's only been 20 minutes. I do it all the time. Um, and it's a distraction. Like, ain't nothing, you know, is cell phone a sin? No. Is TikTok a sin? No. But is it be utilized in, in the way that it should? A lot of times, no. A lot of times it's just, it might be some, you know, whether you're looking at anime or whether you're looking at basketball videos or whatever, it's still taking us away from God. Do we still give God that time? And the thing that you love the most is probably the one thing that's keeping you from God. Coach made a statement earlier and said, you know, if LeBron James or Steph Curry or anybody came in here, I told him the other day, if a millionaire came into this room right now uh-huh. and told you how to get a million dollars, half of y'all, most of y'all wouldn't even listen to him. You would hear him, but you wouldn't go and apply the things that they're telling you. If they were to tell you, I told my basketball team before we started the state championship, I said, you know, LeBron James, he cut social media off during the playoffs. I told him to cut it off. I told him to cut it off, cut the girlfriends off. Don't talk to him until we win the state championship. Now, I ain't going to ask. I never did go back and ask him. I guarantee you ain't nobody listen to me. <laughs> I can about guarantee that one. If we came, if somebody came in here today, whatever your greatest, whatever it is that you like, like let's just take uh, the cell phone fence because I know we all got phones and we all be on social media. We all be scrolling. If somebody came in here and said, limit yourself to 30 minutes a day on your phone, and for the other rest of the time, do this, this, that, and the third, 
and in two years, three years, you'll be, at this point in life, you'll be successful. Guarantee you 90% of us would not do it. 90% of us cannot tell the flesh no and have enough discipline to take away something that we love to get what we say that we want. When it comes to having a relationship with God, you have to be disciplined enough to make sure that you're investing time, like he said, invest in it to get the rewards that you want to get. Now, this ain't by any shape, form, or fashion easy. This ain't something that, 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 that just comes natural. I saw a post on social media the other day that said, you won't always have motivation. That's why discipline is important. That's right. You ain't always gonna wanna get up and go to the gym. You ain't always gonna wanna read your Bible. You ain't always gonna wanna pray. Some of y'all don't even pray over your food. You ain't always gonna wanna have religious disciplines. But that's what discipline is for. You have to have discipline so that you can do some of these things, right? And then it becomes a habit, and then it becomes a way of life. I beseech to you, therefore, my brother, you are going to go through something in life Facts. that is going to be impossible for you to get through on your own. Some of you have already went through some stuff. Some of you are going through some stuff right now. Household is in shambles. Family ain't linking up right. Some of you going through stuff right now that you're struggling with. And your lack of relationship with God is making it that much harder to get through it. You're crying at night. You're walking around school depressed. You're in your feelings. See, depression is of the devil. Those feelings are of the devil. That's the evil spirit. That's how people kick the can. When I say kick the can, that's how people kill themselves. That's how people commit suicide. Because those spirits get inside of them. Y'all know, most of y'all know about my testimony. When I lost my vision, when I had to have surgery, and I went through that period of time where I couldn't see anything at all, and I wasn't sure if my vision was gonna come back, and it was pitch black, bro. <laughs> bro, there's a whole lot of stuff went through my head. That was my near-death experience. And the only thing I could think about was how much time I wasted, hmm. how much talent, gifts, and abilities that he gave me that I have been kind of just not really expounding on. Like, if what would happen if I was to die? Like, did I fulfill what I was supposed to fulfill? Did I live out my purpose? Or did I just waste time partying, drinking, smoking, doing all kind of crazy stuff? I bowed to God. As soon as I, I said, bro, regardless of whether my vision came back or not, I was going to live out life. I was going to do everything that he put into me to do. All the gifts, talents, abilities that I have. Bro, that's why you see me on social media posting stuff now. That's why I don't mind rapping now. Like, I've been able to rap since I was a little kid. But I wasn't no rapper. I never called myself no rapper. That was just a talent. But he didn't give me the talent for no reason. That's right. A lot of y'all got gifts and talents, and you, you, and you got to understand why he's giving you. He's giving you those gifts and talents so that one day you can glorify God. I can easily, man, bro, I, my honest opinion, I'm just, I ain't blowing myself up. I really think that I could be a rapper in the world, right? Like, I could be a known rapper if I decided to just rap about drugs, guns, stuff. That's easy. That's easy. I come up with a hard bar about selling drugs and toting guns and all that stuff. That's easy. But that ain't my purpose. That ain't my purpose. That ain't who I am, right? So, um, the other thing is, is like if if who you are, whatever gifts, talents, abilities that, that he's given you, understand that he's given that for a reason, and your why is to glorify God. So whatever it is, I don't care what it is, whatever, and, and your gifts, talents, or whatever it is, is whatever you cater to every single day. Whatever it is you wake up thinking about or whatever it is you find yourself doing just naturally, whether it's drawing, whether it's uh, listening to music, whether it's, I mean, all those things, it's, it's connected for a reason, right? So don't take those things for granted. But establishing a relationship with God will help you define where it is you're supposed to go and will save you from going down the wrong path. Now, when I was growing up, people used to say all the time, we living in the last days. We living in the last days. Fellas, it's way more so prevalent now than it was when we was growing up. I'm telling you all, you don't, you don't have that much time. 
We don't know what's about. 2024 is already going crazy. Y'all saw the AT&T thing, you know, phone. They already tapped on the cell phone. They talking about the power grid going to go out at some point. They talking about wars happening over on the, bro, all this stuff is in Revelation. Read your Bible. We are closer to the end than you know. I don't know how long. It could be five years, ten years. It could be tomorrow. We don't know. But I wouldn't want to be on the other side and, and be caught up and not having a relationship with God in that trumpet blow. That's the scary part. I want to see y'all faces in heaven when I go because I know where I'm going. And I need y'all to understand this too. It's not about being perfect. Let's get away from this religious stuff. Sure. It's about your heart posture. Like he said, if you can sin and have no conviction, then you don't have God in your heart. We all sin. The Bible says yeah. that. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I sin all the time. Just keeping it above. For sure, same. I sin all the time. But that does not make me less of a Christian. I have conviction. And like he said, when you sin, you, for, you ask God for forgiveness and ask him to help you next time that test comes, let me pass it. Help me to be a Christian the next time that comes. Help me to be more of a Christian. So please don't have the idea in your head that I got to walk the straight now and be perfect. I hate the fact that being a Christian looks boring. I'm not a boring person. I have fun. I, me and my wife, we do what we do. But I am a Christian. And we have this ideology that being a Christian is kind of lame. It's lame if you lame. I mean, if you're a lame person, you're just going to be lame. I don't care whether you're Christian or not. You're just going to be lame. Some of y'all, here's the other question I have. If you knew, and he kind of touched on this, if you knew that today, or let's just say tomorrow, if you knew tomorrow was your last day on earth and that you would die tomorrow, what would you do? What would you do? Some of y'all... <laughs> Some of y'all go clap as many cheeks as you can. <laughs> y'all gonna get it in. <laughs> I already know. Some of y'all might say, uh, well, shoot, I need to go, uh, you know, you might take a trip somewhere, somewhere you ain't never been before, right? Some of y'all might go buy something that you ain't never had before. I don't know. But that's a rhetorical question for you to think about. What would you do if you knew tomorrow was your last day on earth? I would hope and pray that the first thing you would do is make sure your vertical alignment is right. Make sure your relationship with God is right. <clears throat> Second thing I would hope you would do, I mean, this is one thing, this is your heart posture, is go and apologize to anybody who you think you may have offended. Because you could be hindering that person from going to hell. You want to free yourself of all that. But think about that. Live every day like it's your last. Yeah. Right? Live every day like it's your last. With regards to sports, with regards to relationships, with regards to whatever, but specifically, as a Christian, live every day like it's your last. It does not mean you're not gonna mess up. It does not mean that you ain't gonna get it that you ain't gonna get it right sometime that you might fail. It is what it is. Grace is there for you to pick up where you left off and get it right. Do not put the pressure on yourself of trying to be perfect. Just put the pressure on yourself of trying to be Christ-like. There's so many Christians that walk around here that don't have the right heart posture. And they quote all type of scriptures and they can pray in tongues, they can do all that, but they don't even have the right heart posture. When you talk to them, they don't talk in love. When they look at you, they look at you strange because you got on certain type of clothes or they judging you based upon your appearance or whatever. That ain't God's heart. So understand it. Get your heart right, first and foremost, and then every day from now on, just try to keep it right. I love what you said, man. He's not looking for a perfect heart, but a pure heart. That's it. A pure heart is not perfect. It just has the perfect posture. David done, man, all of us ain't done close to what David did. Man. Man. <laughs> David, David, man, <laughs> David, David killed the man's wife. First off, gave the man, an integral man, a letter with his death sentence. And that man did not open the letter. They told him to put that man on the front line, kill him because he done slept with his wife and had a baby. Wrecked his whole kingdom, wrecked his whole life. But one thing about David, though, that man knew how to rip. That man knew how to go before God and say, man, I'm a... And had his posture, his heart was right. Now, I don't mean you go out there and sleep with people and just expect. The Bible says, shall we sin? Because grace abounds, God forbid. But a pure heart says, God, you're just so good, man. Like right now, that's why I give God the glory for everything I do. Why? Because I borrowed his breath to do it. 
If God was to charge us for a dime for every breath we took, we wouldn't have made it past two days old. <laughs> so when you know that that kind of love, he like, yo, 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 his love's so good that he allowed you to breathe while you were sinning. With grace there to say, you know what? You don't have to do this. Now, one thing that I love about what Coach Mel said, and I'm going to say this, then I'm going to pass the rock, whoever else want to share. The Bible says tomorrow's not what? That's a mentality. Every day, I've made it a habit of mine to live as if today's my last. That's why I preach out of my shirts. I sweat. I, I give it my all. When y'all talk to me in my office, I give you my all because this might be the last. And when I'm breathing the last seven, eight breaths of my life, I want to be able to lean back on that pillow and say, God, man, I gave you my all today. And when I wake up the next day, you know what I say? Oh, all right. We back at it. Okay, good. Oh, so you graced me with another day. But if you live as if tomorrow is promised, you will procrastinate today. But if you live as if tomorrow's not promised, you will be productive today. Because one day, my friends, will be your last. And on that deathbed, because all of us will be either we on the concrete, on the bed, however you die, <laughs> on the arms of a loved one. Those last few moments you have, you're either going to regret or rejoice. When I die, man, when it's my time to go, coach, I done fought the fight. <laughs> I done kept the faith. It is well with my soul. That's the life you want to live. And so if you knew today was your last, tomorrow's your last, man, you would, you would live different if you knew the experience that you're going to have when you're face-to-face -face with your maker. Because imagine, we all been in trouble when we was eight, nine years old. We had to stand before your dad, stand before you, whoever whooped you, whoever was responsible for the disciplines. <laughs> that fear you had when you stood before them. Ain't a fear on this planet going to come close when a man or woman is standing before a holy God unsure about their salvation. That's that, that's imaginable, the type of fear that is. I'm going to still be nervous. <laughs> I'm going to be looking at God all kind of, oh, you didn't dap me up when I came in. Like, we'll be good. <laughs> oh, so you just, like, imagine going to heaven and you sitting in the, in the waiting room and, you know, the, you know, the elevator music to be playing in the waiting room and you just sitting there and, and you're waiting. God will be with you shortly. <laughs> you're like, God will be, and you don't know. Listen, I am 100% assured of my salvation because I've studied the word enough to know what type of fruit a saved man is supposed to produce. Not works that you produce. I'm talking about a work in me that's producing a work out of me. So we're not saying go out there and do read your Bible for the wrong reason. I just read my Bible because I don't want to go to hell. I'm going, I, just, I don't want to go. No, it's, it's just realizing that I'm arresting him. I'm going to trust him. And then about four or five months, you'll be like, man, I'm a different man than I ever was. And I just want to challenge you all, man, to really think about your walk with God, fam. Like, you can get caught up on that one moment you went to the... Do you know how many people went to the altar, rose their hand, said a sinner's prayer, never got converted? Five minutes, well, yeah, get your food, man. So we done fed you spiritual food, and, and some of y'all done tapped out because you ain't had no breakfast. So let's go ahead and line up. I don't know how y'all want to, I'll let y'all decide on how, uh, how you want to set it up, Coach. Uh, sign is with her. One biscuit and some, some blueberries. Appreciate you, Coach.